Welcome to the Faith Christian Fellowship of Montego Bay's podcast. We are reaching for His glory through building and teaching. I hope you are encouraged and edified by this message. The battlefield of the church. Well, first of all, let me just remind you that there are three main battlefields in spiritual warfare. And we understand that in warfare, anyone any of the contenders in the war that is able to control the battlefield is likely to win the war because that means the other side would be in retreat and that is something that anybody wants when they go into war to see the enemy retreating once the enemy starts retreating you have an advantage you can move in and execute your plans. So the battlefields are extremely important in spiritual warfare. And today we'll continue looking at the battlefield of the church and move on to the battlefield of the mind. Now, I understand even as I go through this in preparation, it is reinforced more to me how important it is to walk in the spirit because it is by walking in the spirit that you're going to get the advantage that you need as a believer to control the battlefields and to win the war. And I see why in so many places in the scripture, we are encouraged, we are implored, exhorted to walk in the spirit in different ways. Paul in one of his writings says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the loss of the flesh it says submit yourself to god that's another way of saying walking in the spirit it also says things like as many as are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god it talks about walking by faith and not by sight all of these and much more is speaking to walking in the spirit if you don't walk in the spirit it opens doors wide, extremely wide, for the enemy to play on your ego. And a play on your ego, either from the end of offense, where, you know, if you notice, one of the easiest place for people to get offended is is church. It is not by chance. Pastor was preaching on me or this person said that and they looked at me or they didn't like my clothes or whatever, the the, the most insignificant things. And Jesus himself warned against offense. Not taking offense is actually a sign of, one of the signs of maturity. So if you don't walk in the spirit, you open a door wide, wide for the enemy to come and cause offense all the time and you as a believer especially if you're more mature believer you always have to take that high ground where that is concerned and even though you're not wrong sometimes you have to apologize because you don't want to open that door of of offense and if you walk in offense the enemy gets the opportunity to shut down the manifestations of god in your life both from the angle of coming from your life to others and also 
coming from others by the Spirit of the Lord into your life. So it is very important that we manage ego in that area. The other end of the ego is, is the promotion end where people think that they should get this and they should have been appointed this and, and this and that. If you don't walk in the spirit, the doors are open wide for the enemy to move in and create all kinds of issues in these areas. So sometimes you find that it's not even about whom God has called to certain position or anointed in certain areas that is carrying out the function anymore, but who has been there longest and who have been deacon or deaconess for how many years and this and that and all this kind of stuff. And at the end of the day, God don't get any glory out of it. This is all a part of the battlefield of the church where the enemy is trying to come in and divert focus and attention and create instability. Now, let me say to you that your number one responsibility is to serve your gift as best as you can to the world to the people in your sphere of influence, the very best way you can. It's not to focus on promotion. Your job is to serve your gift as best as you can to the world. Identify and pay your own money, make the sacrifices to serve that gift to the world. You know, that's what I've, I've focused on all my life. And I've seen some things happen that is just amazing. You know, in about 38 years of ministry, I can tell you this morning without any ego or anything like that, that I have never, ever applied for a position in church. And from day one, I am I'm in some leadership position in the church. That has never been my focus to become the pastor or to become the leader of this. I've never had that kind of focus. I've never applied for a position. All I'm saying to you is that if you will focus on serving your gift the best way you can, promotion will come from the Lord. Promotion does not come from the East or the West, comes from the Lord. So you need to ensure that you are walking in the spirit, that you don't open that door for the devil to play on your emotion that you have to campaign for people to vote for you where it concerns the things of the church that's not how god intended it to be god set the gifts in the church he anoints us he empowers us and if we identify our gifts and serve them to the best of our, our ability that is where the greatest fulfillment will come from i've realized that positions in church without anointing will stress you you better know that you are called and anointed of God to carry out certain functions or my advice is run from if God didn't anoint you and empower you for it. Now, let me say that the church is not a club. It is not a place where we just come for our agenda items to be addressed when you go to citizen association meetings and your club and you have your agenda items. The church is not a place for us to come just for our agenda items to be addressed. The real purpose of coming together as 
the church is not our agenda item, but the agenda item of the king, of King Jesus. His agenda is the important agenda. His agenda item that he wants addressed is what is most important. So the word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, and it means called out ones. That word church, ecclesia, is not really a religious word. It is actually a government word. It originated in government form because in past times, what would happen is that the king would have a group of people around him called the ecclesia, specially selected people. And their responsibility was to study the thoughts of the king and implement them in the kingdom. So their assignment was to study the thoughts of the king and implement them in the kingdom. That's ecclesia, the church. The, the responsibility has not changed. It is the same responsibility that the church of Jesus Christ has. Our responsibility is to study the mind of our king, King Jesus, and implement those thoughts in the kingdom on earth. Implement them in what we do. First in our lives and any area of influence that we have, our job is to study the thoughts of the king, the mind of the king, and implement those thoughts. And if we will focus on that, we will have less time to contend about the non-issues. That's why Paul, in writing to the church in Philippians, said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So the church is an agency of the kingdom of God. So it represents the kingdom of God. If the devil can keep the agenda of the church focused on us, he will be able to limit our operations to earth, the operations of the church to earth. He will be able to limit the operations of the church to earth if he is able to have the church just focus on our agenda items. You know, who not wearing skirts and who wearing pants and who wearing chain and, you know, the strife and the groups and all of that. If, if all that we can come together is to settle those things, then the enemy is controlling the agenda of the church, limiting to earth, limiting it to earth. And we will not be able to have the impact that God intended. As I said, if the enemy can limit our operations to earth, he would have conquered the battlefield of the church. But the agenda item of the church must be about what God is saying, what the king has on his mind. The enemy works extremely hard to establish wrong cycles, wrong philosophies, wrong attitudes, wrong doctrines, and a lot of other wrongs in the church. And that is in an effort to destabilize, demoralize the church and to control the battlefield of the church. Attitude is everything. But the attitude of church people stinks so much. Well, at least sometimes. I hate to tell you that as a counselor, 
there are many times that the response that I get from the persons who are not saved is better than the response that I get from the people who are saved in terms of their attitude. What are we doing? So attitude, we have to manage our attitude in the church so that we don't concede the battlefield of the church to the enemy. But this was so important that if you realize that the first item that Jesus addressed in his first public speech was attitude. We call them the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 or the attitudes to be. That's how important that is. Wrong philosophies. People come into the church with their own philosophies and instead of conforming to the word and the ways of the kingdom, people continue to espouse this is how I was grown. This is what I believe and nobody's going to change this. And it has no root in scriptures. But we hold on to them and move into leadership positions with them. And all of a sudden, the philosophy of the local congregation has nothing to do with what the word of God says. The battlefield of the church. So James, one time in James chapter 4, verse 1, maybe about from verse 1 down to verse 8. We're not reading it. We're just quoting it. James said, From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Where did that kind of attitude and behavior come from? In other words, James was saying, that's not how we roll. You know, that, that's, that's not how we're supposed to function. From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? And look at the next part. He said, come not in day of the lust that war in your members. In other words, they are a result of the lust, the strong desires that are not attached to the kingdom, not coming out of the word of God. These attitudes come out of the lust, that the strong desires that are towards the things that are not of God and create all kinds of stuff. Now you begin to understand what Paul was saying when he said, evil company corrupt good manners. Because if you hang around people with philosophies and attitudes that are anti-kingdom, if you're not careful before long, you start buying into that. We're talking about the battlefield of the church here. And God is calling upon us to address, take control of the heavenlies. Now look what the scripture says and how many, how many times we practice this. It says, you should enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart and into his courts with praise. So if you enter with puffed up heart and all that kind of stuff and the Holy Spirit convicts you, you need to turn around, go outside, go right back out to the gate and walk in again with the right attitude so that the manifestations of the Holy Spirit can have free course in our times of meeting. Now, another big issue as it relates to the battlefield of the church is sin. The kingdom of God functions best in an environment of righteousness. Kingdom of darkness functions best in an environment of sin. So if sin goes unchecked in the church, you don't win if you're able to hide it from other people, the leaders, the pastors, and others. And nobody know you went to church and nobody addressed it because they didn't know. That don't mean you win or you won. It means that you actually compromise the manifestations. That is why we have to maintain 
a heart of repentance. So if Satan can get leaders and congregants to practice sin without meaningful repentance, then the door is open for the manifestations of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of darkness is going to control the environment. So sometimes we have to take some stands in the church and people again get offended and others say other people are doing it and all that kind of stuff and they have no idea what is happening. But the presence of sin unchecked compromise the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So as a congregation, we cannot be ignorant of the devices and we all have to do our part to ensure that we don't fall for the cunning devices of the devil. So again, we as a, a people, when we go to church, we should enter with a heart of repentance, uh, creating me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me and give thanks unto God. Man, if you really want to add value to your local congregation, go half an hour before the schedule start and just you just repent and start offering up thanksgiving and all of that and you watch god do supernatural things but do you realize how hard it is to get people to church early it's one of the other battlefield for the church because then the enemy knows if you come early enough and do that you are going to enable uh create that environment for supernatural manifestations in a way that he can't handle so it is very very important that we understand how much the battlefield of the church is crucial to the advancing of the kingdom of God here on earth. So the effects of sin is not just a feel-bad factor because I think sometimes that's what is riveted in our minds. You know, you sin and you feel bad. And of course, that's one part of it. Feeling bad means that there's some conviction there and that is a good thing. But it goes much further than a feel-bad factor. It will shut down the manifestations of the kingdom of God and enable the manifestations of the kingdom of darkness. So I exhort you, I encourage you to do everything that you can to ensure that you take control of the battlefield of the church because I believe that we're in a season when God wants to do mighty things. He always desired to do mighty things, but I believe that we can set the environment to see the manifestations of the kingdom of God intensify. And manifestations like salvation. I've gone some places and minister, and the call for salvation at the end was so easy environment was right it's like everyone in the building that was not saved without effort responded but you go some other places and you have to fight you see some people do it they have to sing a song and do this and that because of the challenge of the environment let us do our part to ensure that we take control of the battlefield of the church so that when we come together it is not a waste of time, but we're going home strengthened, edified in the things of God, fulfilled, that kingdom is advancing, that God is glorified, and we look forward to coming back the next time. Let's move over to the battlefield of the mind, the battlefield 
of the mind. Let me start out this part by saying, uh, reminding you that God cannot lie. Devil is the father of lies. And remember that the word father means source and sustainer. So he's the source of lies and he sustains. And if God lie, then that would be subjection to the devil because the devil is the father of lies. So God cannot lie. It's not that God does not lie. He cannot lie. Anything that the devil speak is a lie because he cannot speak the truth. So you don't have to examine, you don't have to test anything that the devil says. It is a lie because he can't speak the truth. You don't need any confirmation from anyone, from God, from nowhere on anything that the devil says because the devil only speaks a lie. He cannot speak the truth. Anything that he speaks is a lie. He is a liar. Jesus is the truth. St. John 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So God cannot lie. The devil cannot speak the truth. God cannot lie. Anything God says is the truth. And you don't have to test what God says. It is always the truth. Even if your flesh don't want to agree with it at the time, even if it don't seem like justice to you at the time, it is always the truth. Anything God says, it is always the truth. And remember that only when you know the truth, by knowing the truth, you can be set free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So when it comes to the battlefield of the mind, it is important to understand this because the devil will always try to say some things. But it doesn't matter how cunning he comes with his suggestions. He's not speaking the truth. And you know where to go and get the truth from God. The battlefield of the mind. There are two levels or dimensions to the mind. The first part is what we call the conscious mind. The conscious mind is that faculty of the mind that is responsible for thought, thinking, consciousness. All right, we're talking about the conscious mind. The mind or the conscious mind is that part of you that makes you aware of what is happening now. That's the conscious mind. It processes what is happening right now so you can react to it, that you can respond to it, that you can connect to it. Then the next dimension of the mind is what we call the subconscious mind or the heart or the spirit. So I've shared with you before that most times when the Bible used the word heart, it is not talking about the physical chamber that is behind your chest pumping blood all over the body. It's talking about your spirit. Your, your subconscious mind is that faculty which is your spirit. And it is the part of you that stores beliefs, convictions, experiences, and resolutions. Your heart is your spirit. So you will find that the mind, talking about the conscious mind now, is reflexive, while the heart, the spirit, is reflective. And those words actually are words from Dr. Miles Monroe. The mind, the conscious mind, is reflexive, while the heart, 
or the spirit, the subconscious mind is reflective. Now, the conscious mind, well, both are very, very important, but the conscious mind is the first door, so to speak. And let me remind you that you don't overcome the devil by your giftedness, your beauty, your human experiences, or anything in the, the sense realm. A man's life is motivated, directed, and ultimately controlled by the thoughts that dominates his mind. And even if you are born again, if the enemy can control your mind, he will control your life. The mind, as in the conscious mind, is the gateway into both the spirit and the soul. So although your mind, your conscious mind, is a part of the soulish realm, your conscious mind is still the gateway into both your soul and your spirit. So that is very important because whatever you become, the results that you get in life, the laws that work in your life, whether you operate in the law of lift or the law of gravity, whether you're in the aerodynamics law where you, you, you ascend or you stay in the law of gravity is determined by the information that you are exposed to and how you process that information in your mind. How your mind processes the information will determine the results that you get. So it is very important to constantly expose yourself to information that can build you, that can help you to get to your destiny, that can help you to become all that God intended for you to be. You have to expose yourself to that kind of information. Because remember the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So anything that you keep thinking on, any information that you keep thinking on will determine your action. So if you keep thinking on kingdom information, on the word of God, what God has said to you, that will determine the direction of your life. And so it's very, very important that we remember that our mind is the control tower of our lives. I want to read a scripture. You are all aware of the scripture, but we go from Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to read from the word of God, Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to present your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. So in another place, we say that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It should be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Now, that's a judgment that you have to make as you live. Is your body that kind of temple, that kind of sacrifice to God, the kind that will be acceptable? This is truly the way to worship. I have to go on to verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world. That's the King James version there. But this version is saying pretty much the same thing. You shouldn't conform your behavior or behave according to the customs of this world. But that God would 
transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way you what? Think. How is God, the transformation going to come to you being a new person? By changing the way you think. It is not just by laying on of hands at the altar and you fall down under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and you come up new or by baptism where you just come up new. You go down an old man and just come up new and everything is changed. Your life is going to be conformed to the kingdom way of living, the kingdom lifestyle by transformation of your mind, the way you think. It's the way that you think that will bring transformation to your life. So if you're not thinking the right thing, you're not going to get the right results. If you think in the right thing, then you're setting up yourself for extraordinary results. Your mind is a key factor in the transformation of your life. It don't just happen by you being a Christian for 15 years, you know, you're Christian for 10 years now, so things just start changing. No, it starts by how you think. That is why you will see people are serving the Lord for 30 years, 35 years, and they still behave in a way that is unimagined because that thinking has not yet taken place in relation to the Word of God. Their minds are still not locked into what the Word of God says about them. So it is very important that you daily not every week or every month you have to daily work on it read the word act on the word practice the word listen to what god is saying and obey what god is saying you make a significant difference i want to read one more scripture from first john chapter 2 15 to 17 do not love this world nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. So it's a choice, one or the other. You do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see. So that's the sense realm right now. And the pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. So you see the natural mind would say, is God bless me with these and all of that. So you see how you have to use the word to make the distinctions and set the standards. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. It means that you have to be deliberate about uh, being influenced by the kingdom system. It is not something that comes automatic just because you are a born again believer. You're either influenced by the world system or by the kingdom system, but you have to be deliberate about being influenced by the kingdom system. It's a path that you have to chart. You don't stumble into it. The sense realm, as I said before, is the gateway the mind into uh, your soul and your spirit. And uh, every individual have to take responsibility when it comes to managing 
that area of your life. You have to remember that we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, there are three strongholds in the mind. And I want to just take the opportunity to address uh, these three strongholds. The first stronghold of the mind is the world. It's like what we've been talking about, the world system. You see, we live in this world and operate among the systems and principles of the world every day. And if you're not careful, the world will suck you in. They'll tell you that you're irrelevant. People stop doing things this way. And, you know, it's the modern time. But the word of the Lord lives forever and ever and ever. And I'm not saying that they're not some things that we have to address. We have to reshape our thinking on. But when it comes to the fundamental principles by which we live, the word of the Lord stand forever. It don't need any modernization. Of course, the way we relate to people and carry out certain functions have to be adjusted. I understand that. But when we're talking about the fundamental principles of God, the, the spirit of the law, if you're in Bible study, that speaks to the word of God. And that's how God expects us to, to, to function according to the word of God. So the world is always a stronghold in spiritual warfare. And the world will do everything to try and knock you off and to disrupt you and to intimidate you and sometimes it's hard especially uh, for youngsters to stand alone so it is important to have people who are in your life to remind you this is what the word of God says and we don't go by the world system I have learned there's some wonderful people in the world that I think have good morals and all of that some of them are not saved as yet well they're not saved as yet but I'm not suggesting that they are just condemned in any way shape or form there are some people that are not saved yet that have good principles that they function by however i would caution anyone about making covenant with the world it is a dangerous thing because if someone is not born again and live according to the world system the covenant if you make a covenant with them they're going to operate according to the world system that's what they know so with the best intention, that part of the covenant is rooted in the world. So I caution you to manage those areas of your life well. Now, can you now understand why the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with unbeliever? Now, I know sometimes we put all kinds of spins on that and say, yeah, you can be unequally yoked with a believer too. But the Bible specifically says, do not be unequally yoked with unbeliever. I know that two people can get married and are incompatible. I'm well aware of that. But what I am saying, the point I'm making here is cautioning you against making covenant with the world because I've seen people done that many, many, many times and come up in distress. The world don't trade fair. And it is one of the strongholds of the mind. So when people get used to certain systems, especially when they live a certain time uh, in life before they get born again, and they're used to certain systems, certain ways of practicing in the world, then 
it is not easy to make that transition, to be transformed, but it is something that we have to continue to work on. Also, those who are believers, sometimes it looks like the people in the world are getting ahead of you and you're doing everything right and you get impatient and compromise the principles of God in an effort to get ahead like they seem to be getting ahead. It's dangerous. Stick with what the word of God says. World system, it sucks you in and begins to shape you, then it's going to be difficult for you to get away from those clutches. The second stronghold of the mind is your experiences. The human makeup is of such that your experiences help to shape and direct your thinking. So some people have had less than pleasant, pleasant experiences in their lives. Maybe with their growing up, their years of growing up, different experiences, as most of them are not pleasant, has left their minds distorted, the bad experiences. The situation is not hopeless. God has sent help for you today. So if you have a hard time trusting people, if you have a hard time loving people, if you have a hard time believing in church because of your experiences in the past, I do understand where you're coming from, but all is not lost. Those experiences are dangerous and they can reroute you from the purpose of God for your life. And this is why we want to speak into your spirit as it relates to that today. Because again, I say, people have had less than fortunate experiences in their lives and it has left some people uh, with a bitter taste. They were in the church and were acting according to what they were taught when certain experiences came and has left them confused. Well, God wants to speak to your heart today because what you're going to have to do is to counteract those experiences. And here is one of the interesting situations. Most people have had bad experiences in the world and that's all they remember. That's all that they can regurgitate on because they have no experiences with God. So the way you're going to counteract, one of the ways that you're going to counteract those bad experiences is to have experiences with the Lord. So you can meditate on those experiences and allow them to feed your spirit, to well you up so that you can um, reflect on those and be motivated by the things that God has done for you. So you now have to put yourself in position to have experiences with God. So Paul had some terrible experiences in his life before he became a believer. But he had an experience on the Damascus Road that most of you know about that changed his life. And for the most part, the experiences with God, to include that particular experience, were the ones that Paul spoke about when he had to testify, when he went to preach to people. So he got before King Agrippa and Festus and Felix and those people. And Paul started to 
testify of the goodness of God, of his experiences with God. And when he was finished, Agrippa said, man, you almost persuade me. So yes, you have had some bad experiences, but now you have to put yourself in position to have some experiences with God, some good experiences where he can speak to you, that you can go out and tell people how the Lord spoke to your spirit and you saw it come to pass, how God appeared to you and what he has done for you. Tell them of the goodness of the Lord in your life. So how you do that is by beginning to build that relationship with the Lord. If you build a relationship with God, you're bound to have experiences with him. That's why the Bible says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. So uh, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 was a Gentile, had some unfortunate experiences, but in private, without the whole world knowing, he was having experiences with God. And those experiences opened up tremendous door, tremendous doors so that he could be a not just a blessing to his household, but the entire Jewish community and the Christian church. Experiences that benefit us today. What experience do you have with the Lord that you can step forward and testify about any minute of the day to tell everybody that you know that the Lord is good and his mercies endure it forever? Are you just reminiscing on 25 years ago when somebody walked out on you, when somebody threw you out of their house and things never went right and you still live in those experiences? Or are you testifying about how the Lord healed your body, how you got a house without money, how the favor of the Lord preceded you and made things happen that wasn't even supposed to happen? how you gave an offering and God turned around your situation. You have to have experiences with God to counter the bad experiences because experience is one of the strongholds of the mind. So you, your mind needs to be fed on your experiences with God. So if you're saved again and not having any experiences with God, then those ex old experiences will control you, although you're born again. Now, amazingly, I've found out that if you are not living godly experiences, you will get fresh thoughts, fresh insights from those hurts and bad experiences from 25 years ago. Thoughts that will cause you to hate more, to build walls of division between you and people, and that will cause you to walk in selfishness and pride. Close the door to those old experiences by opening the door to new experiences with God. Constantly interact with God and set up yourself for godly experiences in your life. The third stronghold is wrong doctrine. The third stronghold that we're going to look at here is wrong doctrine. And you might wonder, how did that come in there? Well, uh, let's talk about it. Every one of us have been taught things that are not true as it relates to the Bible, the kingdom of God. Paul had that problem with the churches in Galatia where he went and shared the kingdom of God with them and then false teachers went in and you know, got into their minds with wrong doctrines. Paul was so upset and disturbed about it and that's when he wrote things like, 
Oh, you foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? How is it that you could have started out in the spirit, obeying the things of God, and end up in the flesh, believing wrong doctrine? And Paul wrote the book of Galatians to correct some of those philosophies, wrong doctrine that was perpetuating in the churches in Galatia because it's not one church you know the book of Galatians was written to a group of churches the, the churches in the region of Galatia and it is important that we guard against wrong doctrine because what people are taught initially when it comes to religion uh, quote-unquote religion uh, sticks with them and anything else is like a threat to that information that exists. And this is why the word of God have to go forth with anointing to dig out some of those things that are not of God so that people can see the kingdom of God at work in their lives. So when, when Jesus walked on the earth as a human being and he taught among the different groups and in the temple and all of that, this was one of the biggest hindrance to receiving Jesus, what people were taught religiously. They resisted Jesus on the premise of wrong doctrines. You know, Moses said, are you greater than Abraham, our father? Well, our fathers worship in this mountain and you say Jerusalem is the place that we ought to worship and all that kind of stuff. The wrong doctrine that the people were taught was an hindrance was a big hindrance to many of them receiving the kingdom message the gospel of the kingdom because they were rooted in those beliefs i encourage you once again to always evaluate what you believe even if you believe it is already established in the word of god if you're going to preach it ensure that you confirm it, that you check what the scripture says about it. Because this is one of the responsibility, tremendous responsibility that a teacher carries, that people don't understand. So sometimes you ask for certain responsibility and when you get it, you don't understand the magnitude of the issue, the magnitude of the gift. Because when you share with people, hundreds of people, 20 or 50, and you put things in their mind. And if that which you put is not right, then you run them off course and you could mislead a whole generation. So I charge you, I challenge you that if you have to share on any forum as it relates to the word of God, cross check, double check, even if you think you knew it, there's already riveted in your spirit and all of that, double check it to ensure that what you're putting out there is the gospel of the kingdom. Because as I said, all of us, there is none that is exempt. All of us have been taught things that were not true. And it is as we grow in God that we realize that those things were not exactly what the Bible says. So it is your responsibility to be careful of what information you expose your mind to because it could be detrimental. Listen, it, it is easier to repair a three-story building, take it down and put it up back than to get some thoughts out of some people's minds. So the battlefield 
of the mind is extremely important when it comes to warfare and we must not concede that battlefield at any time to the devil. He is working overtime for that, but we should not concede that battlefield at any time to the kingdom of darkness. So that's why you have to wake up in the morning, drive down the road and in doing different things around your house, your gardening or whatever, you've got to sing to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You have to make those declarations. You have to speak the word of the Lord. You have to speak to your spirit in the name of Jesus and do it on the premise of the word. Get your spirit, get your mind active and attentive to what the information of the kingdom of God has to offer your life. I know, I am believing God, I'm trusting God that we will walk in victory in our individual lives and collectively as a church as we continue to engage in spiritual warfare. We thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you and have a great day. You may contact us by email at fcfmontegobay at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at fcfmobay and on Facebook at fcfmontegobay.